We're excited about the Neelands being with us this next weekend. They'll be meeting with some of our teams. And uh, they pastor a phenomenal church in De Quincey, Louisiana, which makes me always think of Dairy Queen, but that's another story. Uh, and we are so excited about them being here. Wayne is a phenomenal preacher, great church, great family. Uh, Janet and Molly will be here. This is Trey's mom and dad and sister. We're so excited about them being here. It's going to be a fantastic weekend. I'm looking to Amos chapter 9. I never thought Vision Sunday would have this as the reading. Amos chapter 9, but we're going to start with verse 11. It says, On that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom, And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does this thing. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall make the gardens and eat fruit from them. I will plant them in their land and no longer shall they be pulled up from the land I have given them, says the Lord, your God. Now, this is Vision Sunday. I'd like to share with you what I see for LifePoint for the rest of 2017 and into 2018. And I'm telling you, and I'm hoping to drive it home all year long. It's summed up in the title of my message today. And it's simply this, restoration and renewal. Restoration and renewal. Here's the deal, folks. This is going to be a year of God doing some incredible things, restoring and renewing. It's going to be beautiful. I want to say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray that you would bless this message today. Anoint me to speak. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Speak to this wonderful congregation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Last year, my vision was welcome home. And we've worked hard to make people feel welcomed home. Out there in the foyer, for crying out loud, We have a living room (laughs) with Welcome Home painted on the wall. Welcome Home is all over our website, golifepoint.com. Our branding, flyers, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Google Ads. We've tried to express it on our five-star team. 
from our parkers and greeters and ushers uh, all the way to our singers and musicians and teachers. We try to make people feel welcome in our meet and greet. In every possible way, we have tried to welcome people home. And God's helped us to reach a lot of people, people just like you. Let me ask you a question. If you went through Discover Life in the last 12 months, would you stand all across this house in the last 12 months if you went through Discover Look at this, folks. Let's give them a hand right here, huh? You may be seated. You are here today because God put a vision in the hearts of some people to welcome you home. And we're going to continue to do that into 2018 better than ever before, but we're going to be emphasizing as well that this home into which you've been welcomed is a home where you will be restored and renewed. In 2018, I want to create a culture of expectation. You're in a place where the impossible is possible. We've got to start expecting God to do the impossible, expecting mountains to move, expecting God to restore and renew. I'm telling you, God can restore to you what the devil has stolen from you. We've got to start expecting restoration, and God can renew your faith. Maybe it's grown cold, your joy, maybe you've lost it, your hope. God can breathe fresh life into you. Times of refreshing, the Bible says, in the presence of the Lord. We've got to start expecting restoration and renewal. Now, in our reading, Amos was a rancher and a farmer. He was a cowboy and a fig picker. That's what he was. I call him Famous Amos. If you've ever sat in a Bible study with me, you've heard that. Famous Amos. And he's telling a story. It's like he's out under the stars around a campfire, and, and he's, he's relaying to this audience, mesmerizing this audience, this story, this, this sad story, gut-wrenching story. Israel had lost its way. They had been leaning on their own understanding, standing in their own strength. They were refusing to hear the word of the Lord, and the results were dis- disastrous. When all would end up being said and done, they would no longer be leaning or standing. They would fall, and it would be a great fall. This is the story of the fall of the house of David. They fell from such tremendous heights. The collateral damage was overwhelming. But by the time we get to chapter 9, verse 10, well, it seems like all hope is gone. But right at that juncture, right then, Amos begins to prophesy something that nobody saw coming. In verse 11, he said, On that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David. The question is, on what day? Everybody say that day. On that day. 
the day when it looked the most hopeless, the day when it looked like there was no use, it was all over. God had forgotten them. God would never use them again. All hope was gone. God said on that day, I will restore the house of David. They don't deserve it. They don't qualify for it. But God said, I'm going to restore them anyway. I want to remind somebody today, when you're at your worst, God is at his best. What looks like a disaster to you is just an opportunity for the hand of God. You may have crashed and burned, but I'm telling you, he can restore and he can renew. I can hear you now. You're saying, Donovan, you don't understand. I've been down so long. I don't understand how you think God can restore me or God can renew me. It's just been so long. I want to tell somebody today, I want to encourage you. You've just been down so long that you've gotten used to it. You've grown accustomed to life on the bottom. You've, your eyes have adjusted to the darkness and the dimness. You've acclimated to a life of lack and hopelessness. It's not even crossed your mind that when I'm preaching along these lines, trying to fill you with hope, it's never crossed your mind that I'm talking to you, that God can restore you, that God can renew you. It seems so foreign to you, so alien to you, so impossible for you. But the Holy Spirit, my brothers and sisters, has sent this preacher with a prophetic word. It's an inspired idea, a heavenly notion, and he's wanting me to plant it in your spirit today. On this day, when it looks like all hope is gone, when it looks like it's all over, you need to hear the word of the Lord. It is not the end. It's just the beginning. On this day, brothers and sisters, your failure is not final. This is your year of restoration and renewal. Come on, give him some praise right now. Can you do it? You need to begin to expect the impossible, to ex inspect, uh, expect his favor, to expect his blessing. You need to say, I receive that. Somebody say that right now. I receive that on this day. When I was in high school, my father, you know, I told you before, I grew up in the vacuum cleaner business. My dad was a vacuum cleaner salesman, a distributor, Bridget. You know anything about that? For, for 22 years, my dad sold vacuum cleaners. But in my high school years, he got to flipping houses. And he said goodbye to Kirby vacuum cleaners and hello to real estate. And he started flipping houses and got his real estate license, became a broker, and, and it was just a, a, a cool time to be doing that in those early 80s. And by the, by the late 84, 85, somewhere in there, it was really not such a cool time. The, the economy shifted and the interest rates went through the roof, and there were some difficult times as well. But I got my license in 1984, started selling houses, Phyllis, and, and, and started flipping a few houses. And, and I'll never forget the first house I ever flipped. It was in Eden Gardens in Shreveport, Louisiana, out there off of Linwood, off Line Avenue, somewhere out there. And, 
And when I tell you that I bought a house, I went to the bank, y'all, and borrowed money to buy this house. And I was uh, 18 years old. My aunt was a banker. But I went to the bank. <laughs> and I, I borrowed, I forgot how much, but I borrowed a significant amount of money to buy a dump. My dad told me, son, I found you a house. And I went to the bank, borrowed the money, bought this house, and it was a dump. It had slab problems, like cracked up slab. It had all kind of issues. But my dad, my dad knew there was money to be made in that house. Oh, my goodness. I have fond memories of this. I went out, borrowed this money, and I started working on this house. Now, I wasn't handy. My father certainly wasn't handy, but we knew people. And so we attacked this house with contractors and, 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 and workers, electricians, slab repair people. We went after it. We started working on this house. And I'm telling you, when we got done with this house, that little house was something to look at, man. It looked awesome. It was a beautiful little house. I flipped that house. I made a few thousand dollars, used that money, put it towards my, my first semester in seminary. It was incredible. When you looked at that house at the end, you never would have recognized it the way it used to be. You couldn't see how destroyed that house actually was. But when we got done with it, it was totally different. Somebody actually wanted to buy it. A, a, a lender was willing to do a mortgage on that house. It was something to look at. I'm going to tell you, my God has a vision for people who are broken, and he knows exactly what to do to take you from here over to here. This is going to be a year of restoration and renewal. Do you hear what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When he's finished, nobody's going to look at you and be able to recognize what he's done in your life. They're not going to believe you. Look around you right now. This is just a lot of remodel projects. There's a lot of restoration that's taking place. You know, we come to church, we dress up, Ray. We, we put our little, you know, our little monkey suits on and stuff. And we're like, praise the Lord, brother. Good to see you. Hallelujah. Amen. Good to see you, brother Josh. How's it going? Fantastic. God's so good, isn't he? Blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever. We, we have that image that we portray. But if you could really see where God's brought us from, it ain't a pretty sight, man. Cracked slabs, messed up AC, all kind of cracks in the sheetrock. But God got a hold of us, had a vision, plans to give us a hope and a future and put us back together. God is going to restore and renew more people this year. Hallelujah. Give him some praise. Can you do it? Thank you, Jesus. You've been so good to me. Hallelujah. Now, it's not just for us who are sitting in the house today. There are so many people outside of these four walls who need restoration and renewal. We've got to begin to see people not for where they are right now, but where God can take them. God can restore and renew anybody no matter how messed up they are. In 2018, we've got to have not just a culture of expectation, but a culture of connection. Everybody say a culture of expectation. Everybody say a culture of connection. We have to begin to connect to people like never before. 
This building is a people catcher. That's the way we've always seen it. You know, to some people, their church building is sacred. It becomes like a sacred place, and I get that, and I respect that. And it's easy to say that it's not sacred and it's not special when you don't have one. We started in a living room, you know, so people say, uh, you know, don't run in the house of God, you know. And I'd be like, what is a house of God, you know? My living room's a house of God. I would say that, you know, and, and I, there's truth there. But, then, you know, when you get a building, then you're like, hey, stop running. Boys, y'all stop running in the house. I find myself said, stop running in the house of God. You know. But, but in reality, in reality, we, we're not attached to this building like this is, ooh, it's the cat's meow. This is a people catcher. It just so happens we're located at a good place to catch people. A, a lot of traffic count. A lot of people see it, and, and we've been meeting with architects. We're out of space. Uh, I, I'm just telling you, uh, we have people spread out all across this campus. We, we don't have enough seating capacity. Uh, we, we're doing all we can to, to make up for that, and, and we, we may remodel, add on, build. We're trying to figure those next steps out. That's coming. We've got a vision for that. We've got a team working on that. But, but I want to focus on the people side of things, folks. It's, it's not about a bigger building. It's about more people coming in the building, making space for more people to fit in it. Why? So they can know Jesus, so they can get restored, for, so they can get renewed. That's what it's all about. It's not about being bigger than the Baptist down the street or bigger than the, the big church down the street or bigger than this. It's not about that. It's about reaching more people. It's not a competition. It's trying to plunder hell and populate heaven. But this building is a people catcher. We just use it as a means to an end to connect to people. But listen, if we could just not come to church but actually be the church... And everywhere we would go, we would become people magnets. We would become people catchers. Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. If we could go out and try to connect to the most broken. Listen, don't look for people who have it all together and try to get those fat cats into the church. Look for the little alley cats and stray cats and skinny cats that are missing pieces. Their tail got cut off somewhere. I don't know why I'm on cats right now, but they got messed up somehow. Find those and connect to them and say, I know a Jesus who can restore you, who can renew you, who can put the pieces back together. It's all about connecting, connecting to people, messed up people, broken people, fixer-uppers. Be an investor in the community. Have a vision for what God can do. Well, they're just kind of whack. I don't think I'm going to waste my time on them. God loves whacked people. Well, their problems are so messed up, they'll just be a a burden on the church. Are you kidding me? Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. 
Find the broken. Find the lost. Jesus said, go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. Don't just look for the low-hanging fruit that's easy to get to. Go out and find some people that are intractable, man. They're just stuck. And you say, you need to let them know, listen, you don't have to be stuck anymore. God can bring you from where you are. He can restore you. He can renew you. Have a vision, brothers and sisters. Invest in humanity. Expect God to do amazing things in their lives. We have to have a culture of connection. After all, we're all about what? Jesus, people, mission. Jesus is first, and people matter. All people. And we're on a mission to get Jesus to people and people to Jesus. Are you with me? Connect them. Get connected yourself. We've got to really work on this culture of connection this year. We love to go to church. We love to visit this building. But sometimes we're hesitant to connect in a small group, a life group we call them here. Or we're hesitant to hang out with people in the church. I've known people through the years that said, we go to that church, but we don't hang out with those people. We're not like those people. We don't hang out with them. Why do you go to that church, you know? Learn to connect. We're trying to give you opportunities to do that. If you've not gone through Discover Life, go through Discover Life. Get on a team. Begin to serve. Do life in community. Get in a, a life group. And when I say a life group, listen, it doesn't have to be some kind of deep, profound life group. We have a knitting group here at Life Point. Teresa, don't we? We have a knitting group. You get together and you knit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, right. I need to go to the, I need to get involved. I'm getting one of the t-shirts. It's so awesome. You know, it's got little yarn balls, three of them, red, blue, yellow, Jesus, people, mission, and the needle is, is, is spelling it out, Jesus, people. It's so cool. They're so cool. But it's, it's just getting involved, getting connected. We have another life group, uh, Russell and Cassandra, the, the, yeah, it just rediscover life, and we just, what do we do? Eat. We just go eat. If, if you've ever been to the, now I've been to that group, Teresa. We just go eat. We try out new restaurants. We just go eat. We went to Reginelli's. We went to Rum House. If this is on the podcast, that's not necessarily a bar. But anyhow, we went to the Rum House for a little tacos and whatnot and had a blast. Just so much fun in that life group. What are we doing? Connecting. It's a culture of connection. Now, we've got a a marriage group, we've got other groups, and we've got Bible study groups. It's not like we don't study the Bible here, but it's just about doing life, connecting with somebody else. If, if we can get that generated within the body and then start reaching outside of the body and connecting to people, making that a part of who we are, I'm telling you, God wants to restore and renew, and we need to expect it, and we need to connect to people who need it. Amen. Now, when I say restoration and renewal, 
Let's look at that just a little bit. Sometimes to find out what something is, it helps to find out what it isn't. Now, we've touched on it a little from the text in Amos, but I looked it up in another expert source, Roger's Thesaurus. Some say Thesaurus. That's your prerogative. The opposite of restoration is damage, hurt, injury, ruin, weakness. So in 2018, God's going to repair and soothe and heal and fix and strengthen and comfort. Some of you are going to get your soul soul restored to such an extent in, in this next year. You've been so frazzled, but this year you're going to be filled with such a peace that people are going to recognize it and say, what happened to you? And you're going to tell them, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's made me to lie down in green pastures. He's led me beside the still waters. And he has restored my soul. The opposite of renewal is finish, stop, exhaust, break, depress, discouraged in 2018, God's going to renew. He's going to re-energize. He's going to put back together. He's going to lift and encourage those who have had their heads hanging down and, and been depressed. If you've been feeling all washed up, listen to me, this is your year God's going to put a fresh fire in your spirit. He's going he's to put a spring back in your step, a, a sparkle back in your eye, and, and, and restore you and renew you. Now listen, in the New Testament, or in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, there was this principle of restitution or restoration. It said that, Whatever was stolen or destroyed had to be replaced, had to be restored 100%. And there were times when it was three, four, five times, depending on the circumstances. You can find this in Exodus 22 and some other passages. Zacchaeus, if you'll remember, in Luke 20, 19, or or Luke 19, told Jesus, if I've wronged any man, I will restore him fourfold. Where did he get that? From the Levitical law. Here's the point. When God restores, he always restores more than what was lost. In the Amos passage, the Lord said, not only would this house of David be restored, but it would be expanded. This expansion would include Messiah. This expansion would include Gentiles. There would be more people than ever. There would be more power than ever. The church recognized this, quoted this verse in Acts 15 in the New Testament. Let me tell you something. Brothers and sisters, your best days are not behind you. 
Your best days are in front of you, and they will be better, listen to me, than ever before. God's got more for you than you've experienced in the past. This is your day of restoration and renewal. God is wanting to blow your mind this year. I'm telling you, some of you, you're like, that can't be me. You don't understand. That stuff doesn't work on me. I'm telling you, it does. He is no respecter of persons. He is a blesser. He's a giver of favor. If he smiles on you, brothers and sisters, all of hell can't stop that from coming and get, uh, getting to you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Some of you, you've just been so used to being on the bottom. You can see God blessing somebody else. You can't see God blessing you. But I'm here to tell you, he's got something special for you. He wants to blow your mind this year. This is what I feel God's been saying to me for the last few months. He wants to blow your mind this year to where your head's spinning. You can't even keep up with the blessings of God. You can't keep up with the favor of God. You're trying to journal and write them all down like like we do. You're trying to journal and write it all down, but you're forgetting stuff because it's just coming at you every day, every hour, every minute. He knows how to cram a whole bunch of stuff into a short period of time. You're like, Donovan, I've been messed up for years. God can restore the years that the enemy has stolen. God can redeem the time. He knows how to do it, folks. He can do more in a short period of time than the devil's done in a lifetime. Listen to this in the message, this this loose translation. Listen to this, Amos chapter 9, starting at 13. Yes, indeed, it won't be long now, God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast, your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once, and everywhere you look, blessings. Blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and hills. I'll make everything right again for my people Israel. They'll rebuild their ruined cities. They'll plant vineyards and drink good wine. They'll work their gardens and eat fresh vegetables. And I'll plant them. Plant them on their own land. They'll never again be uprooted from the land I've given them. God, your God, says so. I'm telling you, it's going to get so good around here, you're going to have a hard time keeping up with the blessing and the harvest. This is a year of backsliders coming home to Jesus. This is a year of marriages being restored. This is a year of financial restoration. I believe God will do more in the time that you have left than all those wasted years and all that time in the wilderness. Can you give him some praise right now? Hallelujah. Now, restoration and renewal just doesn't happen in the sense that you have no part to play. Notice what he says. He says, they will rebuild their ruined cities. They will plant vineyards. They will work. Everybody say work. So they're going to rebuild. They're going to plant. They're going to work. And then he says, and I'll plant them, and they will not be uprooted. There was something for them to do, and there's something for you to do. Some of you, the reason you've not received what God's trying to get to you is because you're waiting on God to do all the stuff. I'm going to tell you something. His work is finished. He's a blesser. 
But we've got to receive. We've got to believe, and we have to behave like we believe. Are you with me? James said, faith without works is dead. We say, God, I want you to bless me. The Lord says, give. We're like, when you, when you bless me, then I'll give. Now, God gave his only begotten son, right? He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's made a way. But if you want to tap into that blessing, you got to behave like you believe. Faith without corresponding action, one translation says. you got to have that corresponding action, faith without works. He said for them, you rebuild, you plant, you work. we got to roll our sleeves up. We have to expect, we have to connect, and we got to get to work, folks. We have to have a culture of work, a work ethic. You ever say that about somebody? I was talking to somebody today, and I was describing another person. Forgive me, Lord. And I said, well, you know, this is nobody in this room. This is nobody that you would even know. And I just said, well, you know, that person, they're just lazy. Always have been. Won't roll up their sleeves. Won't do anything. You ever known anybody like that? They didn't have a good work ethic, we say. And, and I, I, I remember when I was, you know, negotiating with my son-in-law to marry my daughter. He was after my girl. So we were in heavy negotiations at Cracker Barrel, or as we say, at the Cracker Barrel, right? And we, we were in negotiations. One of the things that impressed me about Brendan was he had a good work ethic. And I mean, this is what I'm sure I told some of you men when you were asking me about him. I said, well, you know, there's not a lot of good I can say except He's got a good work ethic. I'm just kidding. He's a great guy. But at the time, you know, it was difficult. It was a transition for me, Anthony. I was struggling, right? The struggle was real. And and so I'm like, well, at least he's got a good work ethic, you know? At at least he's got a good work ethic. And and that's that's really uh, very important when it comes to receiving from the things of God. It's not God do all the work for me. He's already done all the work for you. But you've got to have a belief. You've got to declare some things, folks, and then you've got to start walking in that. There was a day and time when I was first getting into understanding that God wanted to bless me in this natural world. And and I was trying to wrap my mind around this truth. And I was just wanting him to bless me. And I got to thinking about it. I'm like, Lord, if you bless me, you know, like if you bless me enough, I won't have to work. You know, like for the win, you know, win the heavenly lottery. The Lord's like, oh, Donovan, I love you so much. Here's, uh, you know, a uh, half a million dollars. Here's a million dollars. Like, Donovan, I just love you. And I'd be like, woo, I don't have to flip houses. I don't have to work, you know, you know, just like, it's over. I don't have to do anything. I quickly got over that, you know, when the electric bill was coming in and it was about to be turned off and God had not supplied that need yet, you know. You got to get out of bed. Sometimes you got to put your Bible down. You got to get up off your knees, stop your praying. You got to roll up your sleeves and you got to get about the business of what God's called you to do. You got to honor God with your work. You got to honor God with your efforts. We're not trying to get saved by our works, but you got to roll up your sleeves. Brothers and sisters, I'm trying to help somebody. 
this is going to be a year of restoration and renewal, but you got to cooperate with what God's trying to do in your life, brothers and sisters. You got to put that sin behind you. You got to put this old world behind you, like we've been talking about with Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. You got to put that stuff behind you. Fix your eyes on Jesus, man, and start behaving like you believe it. And watch what God does. Amen. Restoration and renewal. You've got a part to play in that. Now, in Psalm 126, we have a glimpse of some people who receive restoration and renewal. And for them, it seems too good to be true. They're trying to catch up. It's blowing their minds. It's making their heads swim and spin, which means it, he, he describes it in such a powerful way, like, like they're dreaming, like, like they're dreamers and all their dreams seem to be coming true. Look at Psalm 126.1. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we're glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Notice, you see this idea of sowing. You see this idea of continually going forth and sowing, coming again, reaping. There are things that we do. I'm going to tell you something. If we'll have a culture of expectation and connection and work from now through 2018, it's, it's time to dream, brothers and sisters, and it's time to dream big. Restoration and renewal are possible. I'm telling you, God's wanting to reignite some dreams in your heart. Don't give up on those dreams. God wants to bring them to pass this year. Restoration and renewal. This house is going to be filled with laughter and singing and others acknowledging and saying, what is going on? People on the inside saying, it's true. God's done so much of which we are so glad. This house will be filled with praise and worship because of the restoration and renewal that is taking place in this house. Say it with me. Restoration. Say renewal. Stand with me right now. God's wanting to restore and renew in your life today, even today. He's wanting to put a fresh vision in your mind, plant it deep in your spirit. All things are possible. God can restore. God can renew. I can expect the impossible. I want to connect with others who need impossible situations taken care of because I serve a God who's able to do it. I want to put some some action in my prayers. I want to put my money where my mouth is. I want to get involved in God's plan and God's kingdom. I want to give as if my dreams are coming to pass. I want to love as if my dreams are coming to pass. I want my hope to come back to life again. I want some fresh energy to move into my walk with God, my relationship with God, in my witness to this lost and dying world. All things are possible. Say it again, restoration and renewal.
Say it again. Restoration and renewal. God wants to restore you. God wants to renew, renew you. God wants to do some awesome things in your life. Can you close your eyes with me and bow your heads right now? Father, nothing is impossible. The devil is a liar. Father, we bought into all kind of religious ideas. We've isolated ourselves from the very promises that God made to us. No wonder we've not received. We see God being able to do things for others, but not us. Because he doesn't know our particular situation. He doesn't know my situation. Father, you sent me here to tell these people that you do. Nothing is hidden from you. All things are open and naked in your sight. There's nowhere to hide, no way to hide. Father, all things are known by you. And yet, you say, in that day, I will rebuild the house that is fallen. Somebody's house has fallen. Somebody's house has been injured. Somebody's house has a cracked slab, got some cracks in the sheetrock. But God, you're bringing fresh vision. You can restore, you can renew to where it's unrecognizable. Thank you, Jesus.